Welcome to Let's Get To, the baseball podcast from the fans' perspective. Now here's your host, James Christopher. And welcome back to Let's Get To. We have a packed episode where we're going to be talking to Scott McIntyre about how fans should evaluate spring training so far. Andy Tom Chesson will be here to talk a little bit of Astros spring training. And we're going to be talking about Yankees and Twins and Dodgers and Texas Rangers spring training baseball. Spring training's in full swing, and the other day I had the best of examples of how awesome that can be, and that is the beauty of a split squad game. I had one Astros game up on the on my computer screen, watching it on Fubo through AT&T Sportsnet, and then I was watching the game day presentation, you know, little little icons moving around the screen, and I was in hog heaven. I only wish that they would like send the radio crew to do one game and the TV crew to do the other, but we got a great episode lined up. Some of our favorite collaborators are joining us, so stick with us. And now, the Big League Chew. And I on the Majors. Brought to you by Zoomer Sport. So we're here on the Big League Chew to kick off this week's episode, or this Friday's episode of Let's Get To. And Scott McIntyre is here because... I have promised you, Scott, that we are going to talk spring training baseball. We're not going to talk rules. We're not going to talk any of that other nonsense. We're going to talk baseball. How's it going, man? I love it. We're going to talk about the pot, the pop of the mitt and the crack of the bat. And I kind of <laughs> like that. Yes, we are. So, um, you know, taking like a real macro thing, any any impressions or, or, or maybe for new fans, what what impressions should people take from results of spring training games? Uh, from team results, they should take absolutely nothing whatsoever because you've got split squad games. You know, I know um, you, you've got the same team playing in two different parks at the same time. You're trying to get your guys reps. The other thing I will remind fans is on an individual basis, first of all, guys are just trying to get their swings down. They're just trying to work on their stuff. They've been working on a pitch. Uh, through the off season, they just want to see what it's going to look like. It's individual results are what matters most right now uh, for the for the named stars who know they're going to have a starting spot. For the guys who are on the fringe now, they're they're playing they're 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 playing for a spot, right? I will tell the fans this: if you see a guy on your team in spring training, he has a number on the back of his jersey, but he does not have a name on the back of his jersey. You don't have to worry about him unless you're a fan of that that team's double a club in which case you'll probably see him they're just they're just wanting those guys to get a cup of coffee they think they're going to be uh good in the future and they want to get them exposure to the uh to the top level guys so uh you know you you can watch i think the things to watch really in spring training right now this early in spring training uh, are uh w- which guys are getting shut down with injuries we've seen okay. that already yeah we've seen uh, that a couple of a couple of big name guys either Delayed, of course. Uh, Justin Verlander missed a start because of a pulled groin, and all of America tweeted gifts of Kate Upton. I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, you know, if if that is a good injury to have in his situation, uh, I mean, yeah. But in all seriousness, a groin injury, something like that, he's going to be fine. In the case of Luis Severino, though, I mean, I really have to question what the Yankee doctors were were, were thinking last year because. This is clearly a problem that's been gone on for over a year for the guy. Um, and, you know, Severino shut down for the year for the Yankees. So, you know, I, I don't know what to, um, 
I don't know what to uh, to really to really say about that. I mean, I want to, I do want to talk about the Yankees and how I think already their projection for the year has changed. Uh, that's one of the big things that can happen in spring training is you get guys injured and everything you thought you had plans for in December and January suddenly change in February and March, um, which is the case with them. They've lost, you know, they got coal. They've got $300 million in salary tied up. Now you've lost your other ace, pseudo ace and Severino again. Uh, you've also got Paxton out with lower backs uh, problems until June. And you've got Herman who's suspended for half the year. The The Yankees starting pitching, they thought they had cleaned it up. They haven't. Uh, so th- those are the types of things that can happen uh, to certain teams. But mainly what you're looking for is, is you're looking for those guys that are going to fill out the roster. You're looking for guys um, that had a good year in AAA last year. Well, let's see what kind of exposure they can get. But this early, the first couple of weeks of spring training, guys are just trying to get their reps in. Right. Uh, that's it. I have two questions in. So Dusty Baker had mentioned the Astros manager that one of the reasons why some of the Astros batters looked silly is that a pitcher quote already had his breaking ball. Most pitchers don't have their breaking ball yet. What does that mean from like a, a pitcher prepping and like are, are guys mostly just throwing fastballs this early or, or what does that, what does that mean exactly? In most cases, guys have been uh, resting their arms or, uh, you know, continuing to exercise their arms, but you, you're trying not to, anything you do with the human body in repetitive motion will cause problems and injuries to that part of the body in a certain amount of time. So in the off season, if you're a pitcher, what you're wanting to do is strengthen that area without going through the same repetitive motion as often as you would during the season. Uh, I hope that makes sense to, to folks that hear that, but you really, I mean, essentially if, if, if you're, you know, if you're typing on a keyboard Monday through Friday, your fingers and your wrists start hurting. It's the best idea on the weekends, do something different. Right. So, so you don't injure yourself. Um, with that, there's muscle memory and it has to come back. It's, it's like guys that play golf and they don't play in the winter. You know, uh, just, I, I know you don't understand winter cause you live in Texas. Uh, that's, <laughs> That's when the months get cold and there's snow on the ground and you can't uh, you can't put a golf ball uh, on the course. Um, but but when it's uh, guys are, are arresting those arms, they don't have the muscle memory back just yet. They don't have mastery and control of that curveball. Sometimes it comes back really quickly for guys. Um, the arm feels lively. They're ready to go average you know it it takes a little while to, to get that to get that pitch back to uh, get the control back. Uh, it's why you see an uptick in hit, hit batsmen in spring training. It's also because you've got uh, younger guys that are trying to overthrow and make an impression yeah. this early. Uh, so, you know, it's it's that sort of stuff. But, yeah, to, to Dusty's point, it, it's a different grip for a breaking pitch, and you've got to have muscle memory, and it, it takes a few weeks in many cases. One of the things that's pretty exciting about this season is the 26th man. So I have seen uh, people talk about – Oh, this guy could be a two-way player. Um, you, so one, do you think do you really see it as something that's going to come up where guys that are actually adept at being both a pitcher and hitter to fit that last position? And if you were, um, if you were a like if the, if the Cardinals called you and said you're the new manager, what would you look for in that twenty-sixth man? Uh, I would look for someone that could play infield, outfield, or could provide depth at a given position i think with the with also the rule of you got to face three batters 
the need for that excessive depth in the bullpen kind of goes away a little bit. I don't, you know, if, if you didn't have that in conjunction with the 26 man, I could, I could really make a case. Now, look, if you can get somebody that's an Otani, uh, who, who can do it all cool, by all means, go get that guy, but they're few and far between, you know? So, um, so, so really I would look for, for someone that, uh, could be a Jose Okendo for, for lack of a, uh, that's the first person that jumps to mind since he played every position in a, in a, a single game. Um, that's the type of person I would look for. Somebody that can fill in for me anywhere defensively at any point in time that I need. Uh, so I can plug that guy into second base and then say, oh, well, now we're in a weird position in the 14th inning. I'm going to move you to left field or right field or third base or wherever. All right. So now that we're going to be kind of en- entering you know, the second week of spring training, should expectations of what we look for out of our favorite squads uh, change? Like, should we start to look for pitchers going a little bit longer? Or do you think even in the second week, we're still getting acclimated to playing baseball again? Still getting acclimated to playing baseball and still getting cups of coffee for guys, uh, getting that experience under the belt for guys that aren't going to be with the team much longer in spring training. Uh, you want to get those guys exposed. I, I really think you're looking, and you're probably another two weeks away at least before you see guys start really trying to to string out their uh, string out their innings. Um, I, that that's my opinion. You you may see some teams that are. You know, you got some teams that know they're not going to be great this year that are are looking for for um, for that added edge. Um, you, you've also got, you know, certain certain players like, you know, Chris Sale and Garrett Richards from San Diego. Uh, you're, you're looking to see, can these guys stretch it out because they were injured and now they're supposedly healthy. Can I count on this guy? You may be looking for them to stretch it out, or you may try to milk that for as long as you can and get them into the season and just let them go five or six innings at a time. I, I also don't think there's that big of a necessity to string guys out of a lot of innings at this point in time because they're not going to do it in the regular season in most cases. You know, it, with today's bullpen heavy game, uh, if a guy goes six innings, I mean, wow, we, we, you know, that's, oh, wow, you went six innings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God forbid. So, yeah, that, that's, that's what I think. Okay, so overall, then, what it, it, what has struck you about? I know you mentioned Yankee injuries. What has struck you about spring training so far? Uh, that's that's the big thing for me uh, right now is that the Yankees are in the same position they were before. I'll also, say, you know, I'll be honest. If I'm a New York baseball fan right now, I'm a little nervous. Both of my Yankee or Met uh, for the Mets, they're you know looking at at, at their pitching situation. Edwin Diaz. They were expecting to really bounce back strong this year, and Diaz does not look good right now. It, it something's kind of missing. So, I, I I think that the Yankees' injury to Severino is huge. Yeah, I said the same thing last year, um, but they fought it off with offense. They'll probably do the same thing this year. But you've also got Stanton, who who's probably going to miss opening day as well. So that kind of hurts your offense. And I also think that the Yankees relied so heavily last year on first-year players that I don't know if you can repeat that in your sophomore season. You can catch lightning in a bottle one time. Uh, so that's one of the things that that stands out to me. Um, other than that, it's it's just it's nice to see to see baseball being played, you know. And and and, and I know I know also that I've seen a lot of people going, "Oh my gosh, have you seen how many times the Astros hitters have have been beamed? Again, I reiterate, 
they've played a couple of squid, split squad games, which means the team they're playing against also is using guys that are probably going to wind up in double A AA or triple A. They're trying to overthrow and make an impression. And the Cincinnati Reds have been hit more often per game than the Astros have. So it's, it just, it happens. You know, nobody's mad at the Reds for crying out loud. You know, yeah. Pete Rose, we'll throw at you for Marge shot and Pete Rose. We'll get you back right now. Yeah, it's true. That's true. All right, Scott. Well, thanks for, uh, for, for popping on. And I'd like to next week, maybe look at some of the young arms around baseball and, and kind of get an idea of what pitchers you think might make it be able to make an impact. I know like one of the guys that we're looking at down here is Forrest Whitley and it'd be kind of, kind of fun to get a former pitcher's perspective on that. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about how Forrest Whitley uh, lost to the Cardinals yesterday. Not that these games matter. Uh, hey, one thing, one thing I do want to mention very quickly. <laughs> I know a lot of people were making a big deal because Tim Tebow went opposite field yard. Uh, and they're like, oh my gosh, did you see Tim Tebow hit one out of the park? Wow. I would remind everybody that Tim Tebow hit 167 at AAA last year and that the guy that he hit the home run off of is a 32-year-old journeyman named Alex Wilson who had a 9.53 ERA in 11 innings at the major leagues last year. But I do wish Tim Tebow and uh, the Philippines, since he will be playing for the Philippines in the World Baseball Classic, I wish them all the uh, luck in the world against the Czech Republic who will beat them. There's my, There I am. There's my first bold prediction of the year. Why the is Czech Tim Republic Tebow playing for the Philippines in the World Baseball Classic? Is he Filipino? Uh, no, but his parents were missionaries and he was actually born in the Philippines and lived there until he was three. So he has that citizenship. Oh, and so, okay. Well, it's, and, it's, and it's actually, also, no, I was going to say that should also show you something when the Mets organization is like, Oh, Oh, you want to go play for the Philippines instead of playing minor league ball for all? We're perfectly good with that. Let's give the shot to a guy who's not 40. Well, I am for one, I'm hoping that I, I, there's a little SEC in you coming out in this, by the way, I, I don't think I didn't notice, um, I, I, a little Razorback in you, a little fired up, but I, I, uh, you know, I'm Tim heading Tebow. down there and I'm going to be the, see the Astros at their facility. And I kind of hope Tim Tebow's playing. It would be cool. Yeah. I, you know, he'll probably swing and a miss. Uh, Tim Tebow, <laughs> uh, was gifted the Heisman over Darren McFadden. And I will reiterate that. And the Razorback should have beat Florida if instant replay was still a thing, then Tim Tebow came up over a yard short on that fourth down. And any Razorback fan that just listened to that is going, hell yes, Scott's right. Any football fan listening to that saying, hell yes, Scott's right. All right, Scott, we can't, <laughs> wait, we can't wait for you to be right next week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Oppo Taco, a fan's view of the show. So as we start off this week's uh, Let's Get to Oppo Taco segment, we're joining with our main man in pinstripes, Dylan Pacelli. Dylan, how's it going? Great. How you doing, my man? Doing good. So um, unfortunately, you, you as a Yankee fan, you've got this mix of, man, this is going to be the greatest team ever and win 110 games, but spring training has already been a little a little rough. How are you feeling? Um, It's very much deja vu over here in Springfield Mass for this Yankee fan. Um, I'm nervous because this feels exactly like it felt last season. Um, at this point, I wish we could skip everything, skip absolutely every workout, skip spring training, and get me to game one of 162, <laughs> March 26th. I'll be there in my pinstripes. Just please get through this unscathed. I don't want to hear any more news. 
as an Astros fan, I too want to skip spring training for different reasons. Um, no, but but it, it does seem like at least the Aaron Judge thing seemed um, precautionary. Uh, you know, the Severino thing is a concern. Yeah. So, what have you heard, have you heard anything new about Severino's like uh, forearm strains? All I heard, I have not, and I have a buddy who is like on it like a hawk, and he is actually probably more insane than I am in terms of just getting updates as they happen. So I always check my text to see what he's saying. And I haven't heard anything yet. Um, but the problem is when you get a gut feeling as a diehard baseball fan, I know you can speak for this. You can kind of know when there's something serious. And by the way that this has been reported, I'm pretty certain it's serious. Um, you don't come out and say, these statements that Boone and Cashman have made without it being serious. And it's just, it breaks my heart for Sevy because he's an unbelievable player when he's at his best and when he's healthy. So it's, it's really unfortunate that I think this actually might really be um, detrimental to his season. So that's, so I'm guessing then that's the, that's the injury that you're concerned with the most. You're not concerned with the judge. Yeah. I'm not concerned with judge. Um, and honestly, until judge is injured on something that doesn't seem like a fluke thing, I'm, I'm not going to panic with judge because last season it like, he got hit with that pitch and there was, there was some other odd things that happened. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I think judge will be fine. I'm not as concerned with judge, but Severino is definitely the one right now where I'm scratching my head. I never understood that about baseball fans who would, um, you know, like you said, he get hit by a pitch. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Springer broke a thumb two years ago, sliding into second. And then people call him injury prone. That's, that's a thing that happens. Injury prone is exactly Correa hurting his back in a massage. That's exactly injury prone. Yeah. So, okay. So now let's obviously Severino coming out of spring training. So what, what do you hope to see? When spring training wraps up and, and like you said, end of March, game one starts, like how do you judge success for the rest of the way? Honestly, the rest of the way, we need to have health. We need to get younger guys in there that can um, maybe fill the shoes of Severino while he's gone. Um, we've had that happen in the past, and last season was a perfect example of that. We need guys to step up. I mean, that this is what baseball is. People get injured. It's like every season around this time, people forget that people get injured. So while I'm saying that this feels a lot like last season, these things do happen. Injuries do happen. It's sports and that's how it goes, but people got to step up at the end of the day. If people don't step up, there's going to be a lot of let down Yankee Twitter fans and it's going to be fun for everybody else to watch. Well, fun for a lot of people, but I question the (laughs) moral sanity of those people who take delight in other people's misery. But uh, so and I think, think well, that you break up a good point too. Is it's not only it sports, but what sport other than baseball do people do more unnatural body motions than that? I mean, pitching exactly. the torque of the bat. It's it's very very different than just running into somebody in football or basketball. The guy, like if you call Jacoby Ellsbury injury prone, perfect, makes sense to me. Considering the guy hasn't played since like 2017, and he <laughs> right. was a pin, and he was a pinch runner in the playoffs, and that was it. So if you want to call him injury prone, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But Aaron Judge got hit with a pitch, and he ended up playing very well when he returned. I know he was out longer than people expected, but that happens with injuries. Sorry. Like, they they give you these early reports to make you feel better, so you keep buying the tickets. Not 
it's not a difficult concept <laughs> and, and people drive me insane. That's why I sound probably a little bitter about it, but <laughs> it's, it's tough to listen to because these things happen in sports. And again, like you said, with the unnatural motions that we have in baseball and a ball coming at you 98 miles an hour. I mean, that's, that's the way it works. That's how it goes. You're right. The human body is going to react a certain way when it hits you. Um, exactly. The other injury that you guys are dealing with is the James Paxton thing. To yeah. me, Severino feels like a bigger emotional blow. Uh, how does the yeah. Paxton thing affect you guys? See, the Paxton one hurt a lot in the first couple of days. Um, probably just as bad. But the good news with that is, you know he's coming back. You know that there's a means to an end with that. And it, the unknown is really the crappy part. So at least they came right out and said what's going to happen and it might not be as bad. So he might be coming back earlier. Um, I do wish that the surgery happened sooner. It seems kind of crazy that in sports that tends to happen where they, they wait like months and months. It's like, if you knew that injury was there, why are we not getting the surgery right away? Why are we not doing what we need to do to make sure he's ready for the first week of the season? So it did seem like it was handled strangely and there wasn't enough details around it. Um, but at the end of the day, he, it does seem like he's coming back and hopefully by June. So as long as they can win some games in the meantime, it shouldn't be that much of a problem. I mean, I think, look, I, I, I would still say that my projection of about 108 to 110 wins seems right. Uh, I think particularly with, I mean, look, <laughs> that 10, 10 wins happened the minute Mookie Best got traded, right? Like that was – you kind of – you got to think that. And I think Baltimore obviously still won't be good. So uh, larger question then. Um, in June, I'm making my very first trip to basically the Church of Baseball. And that's not the original one, but, you know, Yankee Stadium. What what should I make sure I see? What do I need to make sure I get the chance to take a look at while I'm there? Um, Honestly – there's not a, like, I love the bars around the area. So like I'm going to Sands, I'm going to Billy's, but like Monument Park is a surreal kind of feel. Um, it is a, it is a great thing to see. So I would definitely get there a little early to check out Monument Park. Um, the stadium's beautiful, but it's not the same as the old stadium. So there's not as much to really take in. Um, but I, I definitely would say um, Monument Park is the coolest thing about it. And on a level of 10 of blasphemy, zero being not a big deal, 10 straight to hell, um, what happens if I wear a Yankee hat? Oh, you can't do that. Yeah, I, can't, I can't do that, right? Like yeah, I might, no, I might buy one wear. just to have it, but I can't wear it. No, you can't wear it there. Get a nice Yankee hat. Um, put it on your shelf. The one with, um, let's see, what's a good one to get? There's a lot of like the World Series hats they have there at the shops. You're going to overspend, but they're nice. Um, there's like some of the stores there are pretty cool, but definitely do not wear that hat. Okay. Especially if you're wearing, um, any Astros gear, I'm just giving you a heads up. It will not end well for you. No, I'm actually going to raise at Yankees cause I'm going to be in there for okay. Astros at Met. So I'll be a completely okay. neutral observer at that point. Awesome. Oh, then yeah. I mean, if you're a neutral observer and you want to just be there and have a good time, wear the Yankee hat, people will love you. So as long as you're not wearing Astros gear, there's really not too much of a problem. Your um, your Astros fans though might not love you too much for that. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wear both. I'd kick my own ass at that point. Like, <laughs> just, just I've seen, listen. I've seen crazier things. I've I, seen crazier things. 
That would yeah. be like if I went to Yankee Stadium and had like one of those half jerseys with a Steelers Yankees <laughs> one. Like I would even hate myself for that as a diehard Steelers fan. Exactly. So th- so here we are with jersey etiquette with Dylan Pacelli. Dylan, thanks a lot for being on Let's Get Two, and we're gonna have you back right before the f- for our big MLB preview show. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right, we're going to kick off our Oppo Taco episode today with our eye on the Texas Rangers, Mr. Ivan Clausia. Ivan, how's it going? As you know, I'm a Texas Rangers fan, and uh, I'm excited to be here talking about them today. I was born in Missouri and kind of grew up as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, but uh, as I said, I would never move to Texas. I did back in the 80s and immediately adopted the Rangers and have been a Rangers fan ever since and lived through the agony of the 2011 uh, World Series. That purged any Cardinal fan from yeah, it, it, what was it, left. It was, that was it. It <laughs> took care of it. That And then, you know, the first time I went back after that to St. Louis to watch a game with my brother, who is a St. Louis resident and a Cardinals fan, you know, one of the first things that happens when you're there before the game is that they, they showed the David Freeze home run um, in that, World Series that clinched it for them, you know, just to sort of add insult to injury. <laughs> You're like, I came all this way. I came all this way. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, of course, I love going to baseball games at Bush Stadium and the Cardinals fans are. Cardinals um, fans are the best. They're amazing, you know, and that's such a great place to go watch any baseball game. So. Yeah, I went any, this yeah. first time and sat next to this dude, this old guy, and we just really talked baseball for nine straight innings. It's probably the most. I can. Yeah. hundred percent engaged. I, I, I love going there and I, it's just so much fun every time. But but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And again, you know, I'm, I'm a Texas Rangers fan. I have been for what? 30 years, 25 years now. Um, and every year I, I talk to my friend Calvin Schiraldi, who is, of course, our colleague here. Yep. And I tell him, you know, I'm excited about the Rangers every year. And every year Calvin says to me, quote, the Rangers suck. <laughs> and uh, once again, he is he has predicted his prediction. Well, we are we are a. Uh a show that welcomes all faiths and fan bases. <laughs> and, and, but I do, it does feel like there's a lot to feel good about going into the Rangers season, new uniforms, new park, and I think a new focus. It yeah. seems like. And, and, you know, and my theme for today is, you know, is really Disney. Um, okay. And that's because it's a whole new world. <laughs> Um, Of course, you've seen the movie Aladdin, haven't you? Absolutely. All right. Well, it is a whole new world for the Rangers because, as you mentioned, they've got a new ballpark, Globe Life Field. And uh, we're excited about that. I mean, you and I both sat out um, summer afternoons in the middle of July and sweated. And And we lucked out, too, because it was 10 degrees cooler than normal, which made it 94. And I have been there many a day on an August afternoon and sat under the sun on a Sunday afternoon game. And it it is... uh, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard to be a fan and, and really enjoy the game um, when that heat is coming down. And, and maybe maybe it's because I'm I'm advancing in age, perhaps. Right. But I have noticed that <laughs> the more I go in the summertime, the less enjoyable I, I less enjoyable a time I have with the baseball game. So I'm so excited about the field. But it's not just the field itself that has created this whole new world. I think for the Rangers, because traditionally the Texas Rangers have relied upon their hitting. Um, and I think they have completely sort of changed their per- perspective, their approach on this, on this, because it looks like this year they may have one of the strongest rotations in baseball. It does look that way for you sure, know, now, especially if some of these guys can maintain their health. Right. Exactly. And I think that's the big question. And if they do maintain their health um, now, it, 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 as pitching goes, it's pretty hard 
you know, it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether Mike Miner can replicate the same kind of success that he had last year because it was it was pretty amazing. Um, he did an amazing job yeah. with. Uh, with his appearances last year, um, it'll be hard to replicate that. It's just hard for pitchers to do that. I think, um, I think, you know, going off topic here, I think Garrett Cole's going to have the same kind of issue in the, with the Yankees this yeah. year. You know, will he be able to replicate his just amazing season? I think for pitchers, it's a really hard thing to do. So we'll see. Um, there's a few reclamation projects um, in that, in that rotation. Uh, we had some success with them last year. Will they continue that success? Um, will the will the additions, the the pitchers that they brought on, um, be as successful as as they were hoping? But but it's a really it's a whole you know 180 degree philosophy change yeah. for the Rangers. And I, I and for one, I mean I think it's pretty exciting because I you know without getting off on this whole topic of home runs, I, I'm I'm really. I'm ex- I'm interested to see we, if we can have like a real baseball game happen. Well, you're an old school guy, though. <laughs> yes, like, and, this is and true. so this whole true outcome of of strikeout, walk, or home run. Yes, it. I honestly think it's terrible for the game. I agree. I think it makes it less interesting. But it does look like your guy Joey Gallo actually might have learned to hit. Like he got injured last year, but this was the first year where he would take walks and he would. I mean, he would always good for a bomb or two, but. Yeah. It seemed like he's if he bounces back, that's a dark horse MVP candidate. Very hope, very hopeful for that. And he did. He was making a lot of progress in that area, laying off pitches that he had earlier in the season and seasons past would just, you know, with that. And so right. it's nice to see him, you know, be a little bit more choosy at the plate and a little bit more thoughtful and not feel like he has to, you know, kill every ball. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Of course, you brought it up. The question for him, is he going to be healthy? Um, you know, he he. Uh, he had his injury, a couple of, inj- couple of different injuries last year, and it kept him out for a, a good portion of time. So um, let's hope that because of the way he swings the bat, it's such a powerful swing that he doesn't re-injure himself, yeah. you know, in that swing. And that's, you know, part of what was going on last year with him. Um, I will say that there's been some, I think, disappointment with some of us as Rangers fans with, with, with what, ha- what has happened in the offseason because we didn't pick up some of the players that we really wanted to pick up. Um, there, there was some, I think, real need and some real desire um, on a lot of our sides to, to pick up a hitter um, and an infielder. Um, we didn't get the people or the person that we Rendon wanted. I thought Rendon would have been such a good pickup for you guys. What, I, I'm shocked that he went to, to, the, to the angels of all places. You know, I'm— I'm not surprised. You know, it's I think there's a lot of of there's, it's an attractive place. And the 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 clubs out there on the West Coast get a lot of these players for that very reason. The money, obviously. Um, but I think it's I think, you know, just living out there, being out there is is attractive to to some of these guys. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I was hoping that the the new ballpark would have something to do with drawing well, some of these Houston folks in. kid, too, and therefore being three hours from home. Yeah. He clearly enjoyed playing in that. And at home when yeah, he was in the World Series. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that was a disappointment. And then the others that that we've, you know, kind of again swung and mi- missed at to <laughs> right. continue the the metaphor there. Um it's been disappointing. So so we again we're gonna have to really have some of these question marks answered. For example, is Gallo gonna continue to be as 
on the path to being a better hitter. Um, is he going to continue to try to kind of improve himself there? Is he going to get injured? That's one of the, I think one of the question marks for the year. Um, there are a few other question marks that I have as a, as a Rangers fan. I think that this idea of the, the catcher situation, I think it's nice that, uh, that we've got um, Chirinos back. Cheerios. Yes, it's good. I, I mean, I was very pleased that we picked him back up because I think he's a really good He's he's a really good catcher. He can hit. He's a little streaky with his hitting. His offense is 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 pretty inconsistent, but he's definitely great um, with the pitchers. Um, some people I think are disappointed that that that, that looks like they're going to keep Mathis on and send Trevino back to uh, to the minors um, because Trevino's got I think more of a bat. Yeah. But but the minor and Mathis have such a great connection. I think that's the whole thing with. Well, them. and I think the Rangers have a good enough offense that you can afford to give up a little bit of. Uh, offense at that position if he's going to manage your pitching staff better. And of course, that's, I think I agree with that. I think that's yeah. the theory. And, and there's a lot, I mean, you can't, you can't always just quantify that, but, but I think you can tell in the way the team operates when <clears throat> the catcher is, you know, grooving with the pitcher. And they're, yeah. they're on the same page. And you can definitely tell when they're not. Um, you can see yes. it in the body language. You can see it, you know, in the way that the hits come and, and so forth, you know, and, and, you know, Mike Miner is a is a pretty, I think, a pretty particular pitcher out there. And so, yeah, um, I say I say give him his guy. These old dog pitchers, yeah, they're very very particular. Give him his guy. A um, couple other question marks for me. I think Ronald Gooseman. Um, that's I think a big one. This guy, he's got a ton of potential. He's a beast, but he's got to produce at the plate. You know, he's got he's he's got to have. A better year hitting. He, yeah. he had a real inconsistent year hitting last year. Good defense, defensive first baseman. But, you know, and that's been an issue for, for the Rangers for a long time um, is trying to get their first baseman to to really consistently, you know, add offense. Um, so that's a big one. One thing that's really big for me this year is going to be, um, I think, Odor. Um, Odor has to really be much a much more consistent hitter. And I think he's got to be a little bit more consistently uh, a good defensive second baseman. Yeah. Um, I like him just on a personal level. He's just, I think he sort of embodies the spirit of scrappiness and, you know, and, and, and just like, I, I think he represents the team really, really well. I think last year when he was going through all the challenges and all the difficulty, um, just his attitude through all of that was commendable. Um, but I think at some point, you know, you gotta, he's got, he's just got to really consistently produce, um, a lot, a lot better. Yeah. Um, and even Elvis, I think Elvis was, he had some, he had some really good at bats this year, but he was kind of a little bit less consistent and sometimes just seems to not be connected to what he needs to do. So those two guys up the middle need to really step it up. Now here's my stupid question that doesn't really matter, but was it Elvis last year that was doing the Baby Shark walk-up song to start the season? Yes. It irritates me that the Nationals dude gets credit for that when the Rangers guy started out the season doing that. The yeah. Elvis was, and I'm like, no. First of all, I'm sure more than those those two were ironically picking a walk-up song. <laughs> anyway, that's my thing. <laughs> you know, I think my message to our colleague, uh, Coach Chiraldi, would be the Rangers aren't going to suck this year. The, the fact is, I think that NL East, NL Central, and AL West, those are toss-up divisions at this point. Indeed. All, every team got better. The Astros didn't have room to get better, so therefore there's going to probably be a re- little bit of regression, regression toward the, the mean, yeah. And so I think it's going to be a, a division that might not be decided until the last week. 
I mean, and that would be so exciting, really. I mean, as much as I would love to have the Rangers go out in front and stay there, I mean, I just love that last couple of weeks, everybody fighting it out. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, it just makes it, it makes it so exciting. Maybe a couple of game 163s. Yeah. Kind of cool. Maybe kind of cool. All right. So we're going to have you back in a couple of weeks. You're going to co-host our okay. pick show. So thanks for being on it. I Let's can't wait. And so we're going to continue on this episode of Let's Get To in our Oppo Taco segment. Um, we are excited to welcome Andrew Nelson, who's going to be on our eye on the Minnesota Twins. Andrew, get it? Oppo Taco? <laughs> I love the name, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, this is what it's like to be married to me, these types of jokes. Um, <laughs> twins coming into uh, the season with as much excitement as anybody. We had Marshall Kellner on, who is the voice of the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, one of the affiliates, and they just can't be more excited. You know, oh, yeah. Donaldson's one thing, but you've upgraded the pitching. So how are we feeling? It, it's really weird to feel this optimistic uh, this early in a twin season. Um, you know, I was able to watch their uh, their game yesterday and saw some clips from today. And I mean, Jose Barrios was throwing fire and getting strikeouts yesterday and uh, Nelson Cruz had a home run today. So, I mean, things are already looking, uh, you know, midseason shape, right? They really are. It's funny. I just clicked on MILB.com and the headline is perfect for us. Astros Obreu shoves, Twins Lewis makes strong spring debut. So it does look like not even just the guys that you expect, the new Donaldson pickup and Maeda, but it looks like some of your minor leaguers are, are trying to make a push for the roster. Yeah, definitely. So when you come into this this spring training where you're looking to repeat, um, I know that I feel it with my Major League Ball Club too, the division around you got better. What are you what, – what before we get into the Twins, what teams in the Central improved the most that maybe, you, maybe she has you a little bit nervous? You know, it's really hard to say. I mean, the, the Cleveland Indians – haven't really done anything and have kind of sold off a little bit in the off season. And then, uh, you know, they're dealing with some injuries too. They were still a pretty good team last year. Um, you know, they almost caught up with us for a little while. So it's hard to sleep on them. Um, at the same time, it's, it's hard to feel like they're going to challenge the twins really for the division. Uh, I know the white Sox have gotten a lot of attention with all the moves they made during the off season, but, uh, I also feel like some of those moves aren't as aren't as sexy as the media's maybe made them out to be. That Dallas Keuchel isn't maybe that big a big of a get as he would have been like a couple years ago. Um. So, I mean, you hate to feel overconfident about your own team, especially a team with the history that my home team has. Uh, but. It's really hard to see any of the any of the teams in the division really putting up a legitimate challenge. Um, you know, I, I think the White Sox are a legitimate wild card contender, and and maybe the Indians are, but I really it seems like the Indians are in kind of tear it down mode, and that they're probably going to be selling mid year unless their season goes really well. Um, and, and Detroit and the Royals are, are so far behind. Um, and I don't think they really merit inclusion in the playoff co- uh, conversation. 
So what was the, of the two big pickups for the twins, which one do you think has you the most fired up? Uh, Josh Donaldson has definitely got me fired up a, a lot. He, uh, he adds to our offense and he was really a big, uh, a big answer to one of our, our big off season problems. A lot of people talked a lot about the pitching and our pitching did need to improve. Uh, certainly, but our infield defense was horrible last year. It was just garbage. And, um, everybody likes to talk about the, the way our pitching fell flat against the Yankees, but our infield defense is just, uh, they were just constantly hitting grounders between third and short. Like it was terrible. And, yeah. I think especially uh, in that game three, it was, it just seemed like y'all got base hitted to death with ground balls through the yeah. infield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Josh Donaldson's one of the best defensive third basemen in the game. And, um, you know, besides having hit 37 home runs last season. Uh, so and it's hard, you know, it's exciting. And the early footage out of uh, spring training showed him kind of holding court with the young, the prospects and the young players uh, on the Twins roster. And he's talked publicly about how he really wants to, uh, to, serve as a mentor and and uh, provide improvement to the organization, not just his own stats, you know? So it, it's a really exciting thing to see. Absolutely. So what is your ultimate, the ultimate thing you want to see or the most important thing for you coming out of spring training? I mean, it's weird that it just started and we're just maybe over a month left. Yeah. Uh, like to see the, the starting pitching show up. Um, it looks good so far. Maeda didn't have the best outing, but you know, it was only two innings. Um, but all of our regular starters yesterday looked good, or not starters, but all of our regular roster guys that pitched yesterday looked really good. Um, Barrios and Rogers and, uh, and Romo all just looked really impressive yesterday. Um, the infield defense is, is another, you know, I'd like to see that continue to improve. Uh, Donaldson is, is solid, but it remains to be seen how Sano is going to do at first base and uh, to see how we're going to fill out second base for sure. Um, but that, that's what I'd really like to see going out of spring training. So, um as we kind of wrap up on, I want to ask a different question that's completely out of left field. So on August 3rd, I'm sorry, on July 31st and August 1st in that time period, I'm going to be making my trip up to target field. I'm very excited to meet you in person. First of all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be like, we've been dating on like eHarmony or something. And now we're going to make the big move. <laughs> but what, um, what can I expect? Like, um, I guess both the loaded question of I will definitely be representing the Astros, but mostly what is the game day experience in target field going to be look going to be like, like what can I look forward to? Sure. I mean, not to say you won't hear some comments or anything, but I, you know, I don't think anybody's going to throw a beer at you or anything. <laughs> they um, reserve that for New York. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, it should, should be for the most part, pretty good natured stuff. I think you'll find Minnesota fans to be pretty welcoming. And, you know, it, it helps that, you know, we're in a different division than the Astros and we weren't, uh, our fans shouldn't feel necessarily directly 
victimized by uh, by the sign stealing scandal. So I, I think it's different for us than for some of the other teams in the league. Um, but you know, late summer at Target Field, it's going to be packed. Um, it's it's going to be a fun, energetic environment. There's going to be lots of great food. Um, it's going to be hot, which <laughs> probably, which is something that people don't expect when they think of Minnesota. But uh, end of July, beginning of August, it's usually pretty hot. Um, is it Minnesota you know, hot or Texas not, hot? Well, Minnesota hot. Okay, good. Probably a pretty nice summer day to you. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, it's um, Target Field is, is – both large and feel small at the same time. Uh, they utilize vertical space really well so that there aren't really bad seats in the house. Uh, the one game I went to there last year, I was way up in the nosebleeds and I still had a great view uh, of the field and everything going on. So, um, yeah, it's just a real nice atmosphere. It's a nice place to watch a ball game. Oh, I can't wait. Andrew, thanks a lot for checking in, and we will check back in in a couple of weeks to get your picks. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Jim. And so we're going to continue on the Oppo Taco segment, and we take another peek at Dodgers camp, and we're excited to welcome Alex. You can find him on Twitter at, at DodgersNews88. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. How are you doing? Doing good. So I guess you guys have had an interesting and exciting offseason where nothing happened. Oh yeah, that you're telling me, man. Yeah, uh, it's been a wild one to say the least. Could you say that the Dodgers had the exact opposite off season that the Astros had? Like, if that was the medium, those are the two opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, at the outcome at the end, yes. The ride, maybe not so much. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, missing out at Garrett Cole in the beginning that was that was a pretty big heartbreaker. It's so weird because with the bets trade, which is obviously something I want to talk about, but I actually for you, you actually forget that that even at least I do. I like you forget that that even happened. Like I, I forgot that uh, Cole almost was a Dodger and almost was an angel. And then he was a Yankee. So um, but let's go through the through the bet stuff, because I know we talked about it online a little bit about how it happened and it didn't. And then it did. So what was that ride like? I, it, it was very, very interesting because, you know, like everyone always says and everyone saw it on Twitter. It's like this never happens. It never falls through. And as the days go on, you knew that that was like the longer this continues to go on, the less likely it is to actually happen. Uh, and then the news breaks of the Red Sox kind of backing out of the original deal. Uh, so it, it was a really big roller coaster ride. I mean, then you look at like the player side of things and think of like guys like jock and stripling and them pretty much getting their goodbyes from their teammates and their coaches. And then pretty much showing up at a Dodger spring training. I actually heard a story that uh caloric uh, when stripling and jock showed up, he asked them what they were doing there. He did. He doesn't really pay attention or didn't even realize that they were gone, that they were still on the team. I'm sorry. So, yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, glad it finally got done, but it was almost like you got to celebrate it twice. So that was kind of nice. So what about that, though, like with Jock Peterson, you know, gone and now not gone? How does that I mean, I don't know. How, how do you think that works? Like, do you feel like you're just assuming you're going to get traded later on? Or do you think that you slide back into the clubhouse thinking that you're going to be on what was probably going to be, let's be honest, a World Series run? 
Yeah, Jackson an interesting situation because he's in a contract year anyway, so he doesn't really have a chance to kind of pout and moan even if he wanted to, which I don't think he does, but I wouldn't blame him if he were to um, because he's got to go out there and perform and, you know, regardless if he gets traded or not, he needs to – he wants to be like be able to get the most money he can in the free agent market next year. Uh, and I think like he's going to play against righties all the time. I mean, he's in that speed, like he's, that's, he's going to get the predominant playing time. So I don't know. I, I, he knows his role and he knows what he's getting into. And, you know, it's the Dodgers are business and the win and what they were trying to do at the time. So I, I think he gets it, but it, I mean, it doesn't take away the human aspect that it still kind of sucks. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Cause I was thinking about this as we were prepping for this talk, how, you know, Mookie Betts is one thing, and I was excited for the sport. I was excited for you that you guys got him. But then you figure that David Price is like your fourth or fifth starter. I mean, this has to be one of the deepest teams that we've ever seen in in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, you know, that seems kind of, you know, I guess it's a good problem to have. I guess that's kind of been the saying of the Dodgers over the last three years. But it seems like you go in every season and you're saying that. I mean, the beginning of – 2017, you got, you know, Corey Seager coming off of a great year, expecting big things, uh, and you perform very well, and then you get to the postseason, gets injured in the NLCS, and then, you know, what, what? how much is he actually be able to perform in the World Series? And then you go out and you make the trades for guys like Darvish, who you expect to do well, uh, pass up on the opportunity on Verlander, because at the time the numbers kind of leaned in Darvish's favor. Uh, in 18, you go out and you get Machado after the Seager injury. And I, I mean, so the, the pieces they've gone out and they've tried to do it every year. But I mean, I think it is definitely fair to say that this is the most complete team, especially if some of these pieces uh, pan out how people expect them to. I love uh, the tone you're taking because it's such a I don't think that there's any group of fans collectively more fatalistic than baseball fans. Because you've had yeah. one of the most historically great teams over the last five years and you're like, you know, it's like you grow up watching the sport and it does break your heart more often than it doesn't. Yeah, and it's definitely a interesting situation for different fan bases. I mean, to be a fan of a team that's historically a huge market all the time and has a tradition of doing well, whether that actually means winning the whole World Series or not. Uh, I, I mean, you kind of start being you take things for granted you know like the Dodgers went in the division for seven straight years now the Dodger fans are at the point where it's like well why who even cares we don't have a ring to show for it which I get both sides of it but you know the the Padres are out here going like Jesus we just want to make the freaking playoffs I would cut off a pinky to have seven straight division titles like right now on the air if I thought that that could happen I'd cut a pinky off I mean, it's the it's the new approach to baseball. I mean, it's what the teams like the Dodgers and the Astros and the Yankees. It's like what's what they do. They're they're trying to play the regular season to get into the postseason because they know when you get into the postseason, anything can happen. But you know, the more times you get there, hopefully, the more times you I don't, I don't want to say get lucky, but the the cards land in your favor and you're hot at the right time. I mean, that's just kind of how it works. So you're sitting here and again, a fan of, uh, and I, and I should let people like you and I talk, it seems like almost every day for the last couple of weeks, at least 
Um, oh yeah. What are you most looking forward to then coming out of the spring? What, what makes spring successful for you? See, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to like, they're going to lean towards like the big guys. Like they're going to save people like Betts and Bellinger. But I mean, I kind of, for things to go, how the Dodgers want them to go, those two guys need to just work themselves out. Like, they need, they're going to play their game and they're going to be great. I mean, there's a chance they're not, but like, I'm going to take that. I mean, I think for the Dodgers to actually get over that hump and win the world series, they're going to need some of these smaller pieces, these guys like Blake trying, and he's going to need to come out and he's going to need to be more of that 2018 form. Uh, you're going to have guys like Kenley Jansen. I mean, I watched him pitch today and he looked very well. His velocity was where he had wanted it to be in a way, way better spot than it was at the beginning of last spring training. So there's just little pieces like that. I mean, I, I think AJ Pollock is probably one of the biggest ones, especially with jo- looking like Jock might start the season off on the IL. Uh, he's not like he hasn't swung a bat yet. And so Pollock's going to get the majority of that playing time, obviously, with Renugo being traded. And I mean, I think everyone, especially all Dodger fans, can remember how absolutely brutal his division series was. So uh, he's got some redemption, and I, I I think he's good enough. And I mean, he's getting he's one of the highest paid players on the Dodgers position player wise. So I mean, he needs to start earning his money, and he's going to get some opportunity with Jock being on the on the shelf probably. I tell you what, though, the Trinan pickup is sneaky clever because I honestly think that guy goes back to what he has been. I think last year was an aberration for him. That's going to be another shutdown arm in the bullpen for those guys to 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 hand the ball back to Kenley. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the the guy, I'm going to botch his name, that we got from the Twins, like Gratterall, I think that's how you say it, if I'm correct. But, I mean, this guy, he's he throws like 102, 103 miles an hour at times. I mean, this is the guy that the Red Sox didn't want because they thought he was a starter and found out he was a reliever. Well, I mean, the Dodgers are in a position where a guy that throws over 100 miles an hour in the bullpen would be very useful. I mean, in the long, you, you got to think that Joe Kelly is going to, you know, be able to be, and he was great in the second half, but you got to think that he's still going to be a huge weapon as well. And then he's, the bull, the Dodgers bullpen has the potential to be up there with the top of MLB, but it also has the potential to crash and burn and be terrible. Yeah, that's how it goes with bullpen some, sometimes. Well, can we keep checking back with you through the season and see how the Dodgers are doing? Oh, of course, of course. And I do want to ask, like, you know, I, like, I, I think um, it's been really fun getting to know you. Like, I think that you first reached out to me after I had posted a thing about how the Strohs were still my team through all this. And then, you know, I talked about how my grandson got picked on a little bit and you were the guy that sent the stuff to him and you didn't have to do that. And I just want to say thank you from him and me to you. That was a just a really great, to me, it speaks volumes about a lot of things at a big level. I just want to thank you. Oh, no problem, man. I mean, baseball is like, it's just been such a big part of my life and everything that I'd like to do. And it's different when you grow up and you start learning the ins and outs of the sports and some of the stuff that's kind of ugly out there with the game. And when you're a kid, that's not what it's about. It's about playing and supporting your player because you, you like them. And there's no need to pay, like bring kids in any of this ugliness that's gone on in the last few years in baseball when they're just out here trying to learn the game that we grew up loving. Well, I do appreciate it, brother. And I look forward to having you back on Let's Get To again. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. So we are excited to welcome on to Let's Get To and to our Oppo Taco segment, 
We're going to be welcoming Andy Schaefer to the show. He is going to be in charge of, I feel like we're going to be doing teepee talk from uh, from Major League. <laughs> Andy, how's it going, man? <laughs> Great, man. Glad to, glad to be here. Um, we're so excited to have you. So tell me a little bit, like you're a longtime Indians fan. A little, little bit about that. Uh, yeah. Um, well, it's, you know, I live in, live in Columbus, Ohio. So I was born in the, you know, 1969. So growing up in the seventies, everybody was a big red machine fan, you know? So I think my first Jersey was Johnny bench, but, uh, high school, uh, I'll never forget in 1988, I was a senior in high school sports illustrated comes out with, uh, their baseball issue. And it's, uh, uh, Joe Carter and Corey Snyder on the cover from the Indians. And they're saying tribe's going to win the AL East. Like, okay, let's let's watch this season, and then it was it finished last. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Um, uh, but by 1990, uh, you know, they pick up Sandy Alomar Jr. and then uh, they sign Kenny Lofton, and then things start moving. You know, um, they get uh, Dennis Martinez from the Expos. And, you know, the short the pitching staff, and they start putting together that team they had in the 90s. So that's kind of kind of been with them for uh, ever since. So we're going into a, to a, a kind of a crossroads season for the Indians. You know, they are not yeah. dissimilar to my team where they they're not the richest team in baseball. They have to manage payroll and it looks like they're trying right. to do that and still win. So, and then now we've got injuries as well. So what are you looking forward to this spring training and um, basically to 2020 Indians overall? Um, well, I think you, you mentioned it with, with injuries. I know, uh, Clevenger, Mike Clevenger, are are going to be our number one pitcher. I believe he's got a meniscus tear right now. Hopefully, he's back. They say he might be back by opening day. I doubt it. Sounds like probably mid-April. Um, you know, I I would like to see us get out to a fast start. But I was just looking at our schedule, and basically, we play every uh, playoff team in, in the month of April. I think I think we got uh, we got a home and a home with Tampa, New York, Boston. Uh, there's a series with Oakland. I think we might have the Tigers in there for a couple, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the schedule is going to be tough out of the gate. So we need uh, we need to stay healthy and um, and, and and be productive. We got to we got to have the pitching because we're going to have some some big hitters coming up off, out of the bat. So out of the gate, I guess. So. And so yeah, you're dealing with the Clevenger injury. What about the rest of the pitching staff? You know, are you confident? Do you feel like it's there? I mean, that at one point was the strength of the team. Um, yeah, I think so. I like, uh, Shane Bieber's really good. He's, you know, he's a little underrated, I think because we had, uh, uh, you know, Bowers and Kluber on the, on the staff last year and, uh, Bieber kind of came up and then kind of, um, kind of earned the job. I think, you know, he would be, he'd be a good number one on a lot of other teams. Um, so yeah, he'll probably get the opening day, uh, start. I think if, if Clevenger's out, um, Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco, you know, he was battling leukemia last year and he came back to, to pitch a little bit. I think he probably came back too early, but, you know, guys, guys tough. Um, uh, we got a couple of young guys, Zach Plesak and uh, Adam Pluko. They, they got some time in last year and they had showed some promise. They're both like 24, 25. They're like, you know, just big fireballer farm boys, I think. So, um I'm, I'm, the starting rotation, I, I think, is a little bit better than we were, we were last year because I know Kluber was hurt and we didn't know what Bauer was going to do and all that stuff. So, and all Bauer's um, going to do is just run his mouth from Cincinnati. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> that dude's insufferable. Like, I mean, you know, and here's the thing: like, I didn't want to, you know, 
he he accused the Strohs of cheating when Cole went there because we all know that they hate each other from right, college. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get busted for cheating and he's walking around going, told you so. Yeah, but you said they were doing something totally different than they got busted for. Like, right, you don't yeah, get exactly. to get credit for that, man. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. I kind of want to yeah, fight uh, him and Clevenger. That's the, that's the thing. It's just like, you know, it's like, he's on my team. I'm kind of, I don't know. I miss his, I miss his talent. <laughs> I don't, I don't miss his mouth or his locker room presence because he's, you know, pain in the ass. But um, what I did like about like him and Clevenger had a really good relationship they would uh, um, really push each other, you know, to get better, like, you know, watching tape and watching video and talking to each other up. And, um, but basically they were chasing Kluber the whole time, you know, so they, they all wanted to be Kluber. Um, right. Well, so, what about the offense? Cause I mean, you guys did struggle a little bit offensively last year. Were you surprised yeah. that there was no effort to keep Puig after the trade? I, a little bit. Um, I like, you know, I, I like Fran Mill Reyes. I think he's going to be, um, a bigger name than, you know, we, we got him halfway through the year last year from San Diego. Um, big bat, big dude, um, got a lot of power. I think he, you know, he got his, he got his hits last year, but he had to kind of sit behind the league a little bit, at least in the lineup. Um, uh, Jose Ramirez, yeah, he's healthy. Yeah, he got hurt, you know, kind of started the year off hurt last year and that kind of, he was in a slump. Um, then he got hurt almost before the playoffs too. So that was kind of, yeah, when he's hot, man, he is he is awesome. I think if he can get going, um, Frankie, I saw a little bit of highlights today. He's looking pretty good. Um, so you know, it the pieces are there. Um, we got some young guys to fill in. You know, um, we need a left fielder. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who they're gonna have in second. You know, who does so, Columbus have? You can you can bring up. Yeah, exactly. Our our favorite left fielder is down in Houston right now. So. <laughs> Mr. Brantley. So. Uncle, Uncle Mike. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, quickly one of the more popular guys down down oh, there. He's great. Love that guy. Love so, that guy. as you pointed out, you know, you live in Columbus. Um, talk a little Clippers baseball, man, because that's one of the best baseball environments I've ever been to. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, we joke that it's a, you know, it's a bar with a baseball game attached to it. But uh, yes, but uh, uh, as you might know, um, but uh, it's. Even if you're not you're not into the uh, adult beverages, it's still a great time. Um, they do a lot of great promos. Um, I think you know the ballpark is great. It's just so wide open. It's got a great view of the city. Um, you know you can get six dollar outfield seats. You know even the the good seats are you know you can get twenty twenty five bucks. Um, it's just a great time. You know three or four hours and go out and have a good time. Um, they do a lot of businessmen specials too, you know, twelve thirty starts and stuff like that. So yeah, those are the those are the absolute best. So how yeah. often how often are you able to get down to Indians games? I mean, how far of a drive is that for you? For me, it's about two, two and a half hours up to Cleveland. Um actually I'm closer to Cincinnati from here, but um um it's been a it's been a couple couple years since we've been up there. So we're trying to get up there again this year. Um I need to get out there, but I don't want Mike Clevenger to come fight me. <laughs> right. I feel exactly. like they'd be having the little kid from Days of Confused come swinging at me. I'd be like, "All right, right Junior, yeah. go sit down." Who's that? Yeah, right. Who's that guy in orange? What's he wearing orange for? Oh my god, what's that say? Yeah, yeah. What's that H Yeah. So overall, man, like, how do you judge? How are you going to judge a successful spring training for for the tribe? Um, I you know I think health health is the biggest key. You know, I um. I think we got the pieces there to, to, to start out 
start out well. You know, it's just pitching is going to be the thing. See when Clevenger comes back. If he can play 100% when he comes back, is going to be the big key. Um, especially with the, the the schedule in that first three, four weeks, too. So, so that's going to be the judge, I think. If we get down, um, I, you know, I think we got a team that, that can – I think we can make the playoffs. I don't know if we can win win the Central. Minnesota is going to be looking pretty good this year, too. Yeah, you know, but, everybody talks about Minnesota getting Donaldson, but I think it was the Maeda yeah. pickup that's the big thing for them. Yeah, I think, uh, I you know, they won, what, 100, 101 games. I think they could probably do that again. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I think we got a shot at a wild card. If we, if we can get out of the gate this month, that's going to be a big key. I don't know. if You know, I hate to say it, if we get down – and we're down, you know, it's free agent time. I think Frankie's gone. You know, if we're not contending, we're going to might miss some people, which I hope, I hope that doesn't happen. I would love to see him keep Frankie there, but, you know, he's a talent. And, and like you said, we're a small market team, you know, kind of like Houston a little bit. Money yeah, wise, it's, so. yeah, no, it's weird. And, and it's like you talk to anybody, normal person, and ne- neither Cleveland or Houston are small markets. But when it comes to baseball economics, they absolutely are. Oh, it just sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. Damn Yankees and Dodgers. And- <laughs> hey, but at least you have the Browns. Yeah, I got that. Woo. <laughs> and you know what, though? At least you have the Buckeyes. That's what matters, right? Yeah, I got, that's it. It's just, you know, pro sports can, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. But <laughs> I get to I get to deal with my average Longhorns. All right, Andy. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. We're going to have you back on in a couple weeks to do your picks. And then throughout the season, we'll have you on and just kind of keep assessing uh, how the Indians are doing. Yeah, sounds great, man. Thanks for having me. Go, go Astros, a focus on H-Town Hardball. All right, and so we are back here on Go, Go Astros with Andy Tomchess. And Andy, the Astros have are leading the league in, se- in hit-by-pitches with seven, and then a couple of teams following with a distant six. Why is the narrative that everybody's throwing at the Astros' heads? Because fans are idiots, and the media is feeding the frenzy just like they have been all winter long. The reality is nobody's trying to hit anybody in spring training. Um, almost every, I, I think I've seen five of the hit by pitches that you're talking about. And I can't talk to the other two, but all five of those were guys who struggle with control, throwing breaking balls and hitting a player. Yeah. Bregman got hit in the back with a 75 mile an hour curveball yesterday. Uh, a couple days ago, Altuve got hit on top of the foot by a class A pitcher trying to throw a curveball inside. Um, it's just nonsense, but every sports journalist and every baseball journalist knows that if you put Astros in their, in your title or in your, um, in your tweet or in your article, you're going to have clicks. Because half the people there are there to see blood, and the other half are there to yell at the people trying to see blood. It's just—it's a feeding frenzy, and it's bordering on ridiculous. And the only thing that's going to make it go away, unfortunately, is time. Because, as we've seen several examples of, the uh, baseball journalists um, in America have decided that integrity is just right out the door for the most part. We're, we're going for whatever we can do to make you look at me. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's uh, a really a accurate way to describe it all. Um, I think I want to get into actual baseball stuff because baseball stuff happened. I will ask you about one quote. I don't know if you saw it from the Athletic that um, Peter Gammons, who I think is a sports writer we all really still respect, 
wonders how the Astros clubhouse will be. Will it be on edge against each other or will they come together? Do you have any kind of wild guess you want to take on that? My guess, and absolutely some of this is just me hoping, but I think this is one of those circle the wagon type of seasons. And um, one of the things that Dusty Baker is really, really good at is winning games in the regular season. And whether that's, um, pulling a lever one way to say we're letting this all go and the only guys that are for you are this team or going the other way and everybody's against you and the only people who believe we can win you know, are us, um, it, it's, it, I don't think it's become an issue. I think it's going to be something that as the season goes on with a couple of exceptions, that'd be a trip in September to New York and a couple of other places, this is going to die down probably around Memorial Day just because the general – um, attention span of baseball fans is pretty low. I think you're going to hear some chirping all year, but I think the players understand where it's coming from. I think they understand at some level the noise is part of the punishment for what they did. And I think that as professionals, um, what you've heard from Bregman, from Altuve, from Correa, uh, and from Springer so far during spring training is I can't hear it. And I think there's a lot to that. I don't want to go Billy Chapel on here and talk about clearing the mechanism. But Good, because that, uh, that sends our collaborator, Scott McIntyre, into a frenzy. So let's – yeah, let's let's say that. They're going to clear the mechanism. But that's what you do. They're, I mean part of being a professional athlete is extreme focus, right? I doubt very seriously that um, professional athletes, especially at the higher end of the game, are going to be too concerned what Joe Sixpack has to say sitting – from the outfield bleachers or even down the third base dugout line. Hey, you might hear them, you might laugh at it, you might get angry about it, but I don't think they're going to let them let it bother them. And as a team, I think you use it as a rallying point to come together. Yeah, I think that first even more so than they have. I think and, and to that point, even more so than they have been the last 3 years because this has been a very tight-knit team. Well, and I think even, you know, you look at uh Oakland's already tough and loud because they have the drummers, right? So it's going to get louder. Okay, I think the Angels series will be rough when all those Dodgers fans come in. But yeah, I I just can't see I can't see any place that wasn't already loud just basically being a little bit louder. And I and I don't think places like or nobody's showing up to Baltimore to boo the Astros. You know, right? The the, a midweek series in Kansas City isn't going to draw the ire of fans because the Astros are playing. Exactly. So let's talk a little baseball. So. We've had a couple of pitchers that um, are new or hopefully going to be help, able to help the, the the big league club by the end of the season. Jake Kaplan in the Athletic wrote a really good article on Christian Javier. Did you get a chance to see any any of him pitch at all? Um, I did just a little bit, and it's been mostly highlights because I think only two of the games so far have been televised, at least that I've been able to catch. Um, I think they were referring to Javier as having the invisible uh, working, um, which means it's really hard to pick up uh, where the ball's coming from off his body, which is you know a fantastic attribute to have. Um, I think that the death of the Astros farm system has been overblown a little bit. Yeah, it's not at the top of baseball right now, like it has been the last few years, but I don't think it's quite at the bottom either. Um, there, there are pieces there, and I was just before you and I started talking watching James Click talk to um, some Tampa Bay guys, actually, about there are a lot of tools, there are a lot of pieces in the Astros' farm system. It's up to them, the Astros, to develop them correctly. 
think Javier is absolutely one of those guys. Okay, so the other thing too, and this is where you're definitely better than I am on this because sometimes I do get a little too result-oriented when it comes to spring training. Um, you mentioned everybody's going to freak out about how Jordan hasn't looked great, but he's clearly looking, working at hitting to the opposite field, that sort of thing. Um, what have you thought of Whitley? I know he had a really crisp first inning, and then he talked about having some difficulty when he went to the stretch. Um, well, before we get directly into that, I was trying to find highlights because I watched that game yesterday, and then I wanted to see some things. Uh, whoever puts the Major League Baseball highlight reels together or highlight packages for players, all they showed was outs. So they showed pitches that were popped up. One was grounded to Altuve. I want to see actual pitches from a guy if you're trying to evaluate them. So you, you would think that a baseball organization would be interested in you seeing actual baseball when you're looking for things. Having said all that, um, I think Whitley is a 22-year-old who Jeff Lunau overly hyped and really, really loved, and he may end up being justified in all this, but he doesn't turn 23 until September of this year. Uh, he's got time to develop. I think he was accelerated too quickly to AAA. Um, I think he is a guy who is absolutely being told to work on some things right now, but his biggest thing is working on composure because his the tool set's not the issue. The uh, issue is a lot um, – you know, there's education pieces of I need to throw this pitch in this situation to this hitter and knowing what they're looking for and knowing what my strengths are, knowing my weaknesses are, just like every other pitcher. I think the other part of it, though, is he suffers a little bit from what uh, Lance McCullers Jr. suffered from earlier in his career about once anything goes bad, everything goes bad. Uh, having that composure, maintaining that composure, like you said, working out of the stretch and not letting it destroy your approach. Um, and that's the maturing of a pitcher. And I have all the faith in the world that he can do that. And if he doesn't, we'll never see him in the major leagues anyway. So it's um, so it, the ball's in his court, so to speak. And I, I, you know, I feel pretty strong that the Astros organization can develop him and continue to mature him. Um, and I think uh, Brett Strom is also paying some extra special attention to him uh, this spring as well. You know, we had the, in the segment before you, we had our Rangers guy on and he talked about how, or we talked about how like the the AL West is going to be super much more competitive than it has been. All the teams have gotten better, and the Astros, because of financial flexibility, really weren't able to. Of course, you already were one of the best. But you had also mentioned to me offline when we were sort of chatting that James Click isn't attached to Whitley, and he's not attached to Tucker. Do you feel like now there's the possibility that those guys might move as a way to maybe make a better? immediate upgrade to the to the major league club i think that the rules that were in place for jeff lunau don't exist for um mr click um and that's a good thing i, I think he needs to come in he's uh, been here literally on the job since february 3rd so we're talking two weeks two and a half weeks at this point uh, he's got to evaluate and make his own decision and i think that makes some players, um, like Josh James, for instance, and especially Carlos Correa, who I'd like to circle back to in just a minute, um, gives them kind of a clean slate because they haven't worn out their welcome. They haven't necessarily made impressions on click that they had made on the prior regime. I also think that means that players like Tucker and like Whitley are going to have to 
show progress sooner or later, um, or you're going to look at ways to rebuild the farm system um, or reload the farm system and also look for major league health this year because regardless of the wishes and desires of sports writers and fans around the country, the Astros are still going to be a team that's going to be a 95-plus win team. Uh, regardless of how good the division has gotten, um, regardless of how much the Yankees fans really think they shouldn't be able to, uh, they're still a team that is headlined by Verlander and Grinke, two Cy Young winning pitchers. Uh, they still have a very, very good bullpen, and their lineup is still the best lineup in baseball, and I don't really care who wants to argue that point. Uh, so they're going to win a lot of games. And it's a matter of how do you continue to win now while keeping your window open a little bit further than um, other teams might hope you do. All right, so what about Mr. Correa? I know you had said you wanted to bring him up. So you and I have had running conversations about who we'd like to see extended and who that mean, what that means for kind of other players. Altuve's under contract for a number of years. Alex Bregman's under contact track for a few more years. And so the debate has always been, well, is it Correa who can't seem to stay healthy or is it Springer? And I know we've both talked to each other about hoping that we find a way to extend Springer. I have been very impressed with the leadership that Carlos Correa has shown throughout um, the, the, the scandal, especially once they got into spring training and started being allowed to talk um, by Jim Crane. Um, I also think that that is somebody who had worn out his welcome with Jeff Luno. I don't think it's any secret that Luno was shopping him um, after the World Series, despite what he told uh, Correa in person. I think Hinch was done with him from the standpoint of some of the injuries he's had in the past couple of years have been interesting. We'll just say that. Um, and I think that he's got a new manager who's going to look at him from a production standpoint. He's got a new general manager who doesn't necessarily have preconceived notions about him. And he's stepped up, um, defending Altuve, talking to the media, becoming, it looks like, a little bit more mature and a little bit more of the face of the franchise that the Astros intended him to be when they drafted him 1-1, uh, what, in 2014, I guess? 2013. I've lost track. It's been so many years. 2014. Um, so I think that you're going to see, and the onus is on him to stay healthy. Absolutely, the back is always going to be a concern. But I think he becomes a more viable option to have a longer-term future with the Astros if he wants it than maybe he was at the end of October. Yeah, and I think he, I think you're right. If he keeps, if he stays healthy, that is a. I think you're right. That's a much much more likely. Scenario, and I do have a bad feeling about Springer and whether he'll stay or not. But it does seem more likely that Correa has definitely upped his Q score, as they say in my other business. Well, you know, I think the other thing that's been very interesting, and I don't know how much weight's behind it, but Jim Crane has told um, uh, the new GM that there's not really a, you know, there's a budget, there's a threshold, there's a place we'd like to be. But winning is going to trump the budget uh, at some point. So I think that's another interesting thing when you're looking at how they're going to continue this season and continue to look forward to 2021 about, you know, building the pieces they're obviously going to have to replace in George Springer, potentially in Michael Brantley in Josh Reddick, uh, in a couple of the pitchers, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be some moves that have to be made at some point. So 
I think all that's going to be very interesting to watch uh, Click work through those uh, issues this year. All right. Well, I want to go to um, everybody's favorite cesspool, that is Twitter, because a tweet just came down. I want to read it to you, and I want your instant reaction. From From everybody's favorite sports writer, John Heyman, quote, if it makes anyone feel better, there's no doubt doubt Astros players are suffering for their shenanigans. Some of them seem sad. Why others, it feels like, have lost their edge. Prediction, it will be a long season and they will very likely underperform. Uh, see, there's a reason I only read Twitter on the toilet. Um, <laughs> and so my immediate hot take reaction to that is that there's a lot of hopeful, wishful thinking that uh, Mr. Heyman wants the Astros to feel so bad about themselves that they just crumble. I, I don't see this team doing that. I, I And I know, again, I put Astros in my tweet, people are going to click it and show how cool and angry they can be by wishing cancer on old ladies um, because that's going to get George Springer's attention. We're also talking about the underperforming in, are we in the sixth? Um, preseason game today. Uh, yeah, I, I believe six. so. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're t- I think we're two and four in preseason. That was another point. I th- the Astros aren't looking great in preseason. It's preseason. It's spring training. Nobody can. It, I, I you know to the point that you tried to make a little bit earlier. It is not a results oriented game for a team like the Astros. It is a get out of Florida healthy game for the Astros. That is all that's important. You've got to find a fifth starter, probably a fourth and fifth if I'm being fair. Um, you've got to make sure you've got the right seven guys in the bullpen, although that's kind of a crapshoot, and you know you're going to have arms in AAA that you can shuttle in and out if you need to. You've got zero decisions to make from a lineup perspective and a bench perspective other than is Tucker better served being on the major league roster or playing in AAA every day. Uh, that that's really the big question that Click and Dusty Baker have to uh, put together uh, to answer. Everything else is guys working on things. When I read so the tweet, when I read the tweet, I thought about um, the guy with from the Braves, who again nobody knows who he is, that went off. And your first reaction to that was, why was he asked, John Heyman? Like, why are you tweeting armchair psychology? You didn't say this is based on anything, any interview you had. You you said they seem sad and that they seem like they've lost their edge. I don't think that you're in West Palm Beach. Like how – and it, it just goes back to where we are. And I don't know if you heard this, but on, on the TV or the radio broadcast yesterday, Astros beat writer Chandler Rome even said that a lot of the media – national media needs to really – check how they've been covering the story and he called them irresponsible. And I think, look, I, I have a tendency to be an alarmist. I have a tendency, I have a past that says I like to look down the road at everything. And we live in a world where people can be set off by nothing. And we all know what an in, what incels are and all that stuff. And I just wonder if some of these media people just don't even think for a second the weight that they have when they send out messages like that. Oh, no, they absolutely don't, um, and I think that's part of the issue. I was, I'm was i not going to even get into who it was, but it was a fairly well-known uh, journalist yesterday who was going back and forth with a fairly popular Twitter account 
Um, and it was just a back and forth about the, the Twitter accounts um, basically saying, look, you know you're inciting people. Why you won't admit you're inciting people? I have no idea, but that's what you're doing. And he goes, no, 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 I don't have any responsibility over how you react to my articles. I've said this in private. I think I've said this on our show before. Literally, if you put Astros in a tweet, people are going to click on it. And most of the times they're clicking on it just to show how angry they are. And you have a group of journalists who have given up all levels of integrity because clicks are more important because followers have Trump content. And that happened a number of years ago, not just on this topic, but it's really showing itself on this topic. And so I have more followers. It doesn't matter what I put out there. And so that's why you're seeing, um, I think Jeff Passan uh, is probably my favorite example of this. Instead of just getting his quotes out of the Yankees clubhouse and moving on and talking about how the Yankees are going to be a dominant team this year, um, he's asking each player, it feels like, individually. And so if you assume they have 45, 50 players in camp, he's going to get 50 different reactions, which means he's going to get 50 different bylines. Which means that's he's got fifty articles written for him that covers him through spring training. That's 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 somebody's job. That's his job, um, and, and he's obviously not taking it very seriously. And they, to a man, will not take responsibility for the fact that they can't stick to facts. That they are wor- wor- working in this world of uh, subjective realities uh, in the post-fact society. And deciding that, you know what, I can say whatever I want, and I can hint at things that I don't necessarily know are true, but you can think they're true, and you're going to keep clicking on my articles because I'm feeding you the food that you want to eat. It's just, it's, it's, it's gross, um, you know, to quote you. Yeah, that's sometimes <laughs> the only way I can say it. It's just gross. Um, it, it, and it's just, it's, it's laughable, and I, you know, I'm, I'm going to get real insular and stick to the Houston media. Um, Jeff Blum had a good point on Twitter the other day about, you know, I don't know why you think I'm going to apologize on a regional broadcast for something I had no part in um, and has nothing to do with the game we're about to play. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think it's why I, it's why I, I, I would almost like, just for me, like sort of civility perspective, I don't even care if other teams are punished. I just want everybody to know who they were because it has been magnified and the degree of evil the Astros are has increased exponentially as the story has sort of built on itself. And it's – I th- I well, honestly think it's borderline dangerous. It is. And it's also, you know, it's the, the time that we live in, the last thing that happened is the worst thing that happened. You cannot convince me, and I would say this if I was a Yankees fan, I would say this if I was a Dodgers fan, uh, you cannot convince me that relaying video signs for a maybe 2 to 5% increase in offensive production is somehow worse than uh, de facto requiring players to uh, take chemicals that altered their physical um, structures to enable them to keep up with other players who are taking chemicals to alter their physical structures in order to play baseball. You can't tell me those two things from a moral standpoint are even in the same ballpark. Uh, but that's what we're being forced fed right now because it's the it's the most recent thing that happened, so it's the worst thing that happened. Well, here's I hoping still come that back to the I, I still come back to the idea that if the Astros had beat the Brewers in the World Series, this would not have been a conversation at all. They made the mistake of beating the Dodgers and Yankees, and it, Jeff Lou now made the mistake of being kind of a prick. 
that I think is uh, the part of it we don't talk about very much. All right, that'll wrap us up for Go Go Astros, Andy. We'll talk again next week. Um, someday we will actually talk about just baseball. Hopefully, right? That's my promise. Next time. Next time. Fingers crossed. And we're excited to welcome on Let's Get To, part of our Go Go Astros segment. We're going to welcome Josh from ApolloHOU.com. Apollo Hugh. How's it going, Josh? It's going great. I'm assuming you're surviving the fallout of the late unpleasantness that I'm now referring to the commissioner's report. I'm not calling it by name anymore. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you gave it a pseudonym. Yeah. So how? So you got a new venture going. Why don't you tell, tell Astros fans all about it? Well, um, uh, we, we were planning this before all this went down, but um, this kind of motivated us even more. Um, we just, uh, we, there's a lot of great creative people on Astros Twitter and, and Facebook and everywhere. And um, we kind of wanted to, you know, do it an Avengers thing and kind of bring everybody together um, to just make, you know, there's photographers, there's graphic designers, video guys, people who are just fun on camera. And uh, we just wanted to kind of, what would happen if we brought them together and tried to make something cool and pull our resources and um, be able to make cool stuff throughout the whole season, not just for Astros, but for Texans and Rockets as well. And so uh, you're yeah. kind of uh, providing, I think that, that space for Astros to express Astros fans to express their fandom uniquely, you know, every other team's got it. So you're going to kind of fill that space for us is what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was, uh, uh, Barstool launched a few years ago and um, they had a, you know, they have a great model or whatever, but I'm not a huge fan of them or how they go about things, but the right idea is, is pulling, you know, everything together to make some cool shit. And, uh, Oh, can I cuss? I don't even know. You can now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we just wanted to kind of provide that space where, you know, we can show off Houston's creativity. Um, in a way that's, you know, entertaining to fans, uh, thought provoking, uh, you know, any, any which way. You know, it's interesting um, when you when you talk about everything that the kind of Houston fan base has been through. And I don't know where you are on this. I know for me, when the report came out, I was like, you know, to some degree understood, dealt with the punishment, fine to move on. And then when it didn't stop and then you started getting like. Uh, the 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 sort of tinfoil hat buzzer conspiracy theory. Yeah, that's yeah. when I kind of really I don't know about you, but got in like real foxhole mold. And it's like, all right, if this is how it's going to be, then this is how it's going to exactly. be. Exactly. Yep, that's right around when we made our um, we have a shirt that's just like H Town versus everyone. And it's you know in Houston, a lot of people um, will on Twitter will will talk shit about um, saying that we're doing that like we're playing the victims, but because of this, but that's been the mentality in Houston forever. You know, it's, it's us against the world. We're, we're together. We're always looked down upon from, you know, New York media and all those other uh, media outlets. They we're always the underdogs, even when we're as talented as we are, we're, they're always like, we're never favored to, to be the best. Um, and so it's just with all this going on, that's kind of a, the mentality I think for everybody is just we're in this together. We're, you know, sure. A, a lot, not even everybody in Houston agrees with what happened and how it went down. We can, we can argue about that within our own groups, but I think for the most part, everybody understands, you know, we're in this together. Yeah. I think, um, I really think it's a, 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 again, I think a valuable 
area of the space that you guys are filling up. And I think, um, you know, I've tried to talk to fans of our show that are of other teams and, and explain to them that they don't understand the mentality of what it is to be an Astro. I mean, we were the team that in the middle of the night removed leagues, right? No other team would have put like, that's really, there's always a waiting for the bottom to fall out mentality with our squad. Yep. For, for uh, any Houston sports team. Right. Yeah. Now I grew up in Houston, but weirdly enough, the Astros are the only sports team that I actually follow from there. But, um, real quick, um, you know, we're in spring training now, things are going, um, all those poor minor leaguers got booed, poor guys. Uh, what do you want to see out of uh, Astros spring training as we get closer to the break of camp? Oh, well, I'm I'm really interested in seeing how uh, Whitley progresses. I think he's going to be one of the major keys to how successful our season is. Um, Because offensively, I don't see us having any issues. We'll have a full season of Alvarez, um, full seasons of talented people. Bregman's another year into his prime, you know. Um, But the only issue I see is pitching. And if we have a solid top three, four, but you know, the depth after that is a little shaky. I'm hoping that somebody like Josh James steps up um, and, and really shows up. If he can learn how to control um, his pitches, he can be a force. Um, you know, the guys like that, Josh James, Whitley, um, you know, I hate to say Valdez, but you know, ho- hopefully he could turn around. He's, yeah. He's a tough to watch, but you know, he has good stuff. Um, so it's, it's mostly the pitching. I'm looking forward to seeing how they progress and who steps it up and, and really shows out. And I just got a feeling Correa is about to put this team on his back. I think this might be the yeah. moment that defines him. I think so too. I, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think much is going to stop him this year. You know, he has all his injury issues, but I really think he's extra motivated and wants to show up. I think a lot of the, the players, um, we have a shirt that we're working on called redemption tour 2020. Um, and it's really just, I think a lot of the players are, are ready to show up that they're good without any of this mess. Um, I, I think they're, they're wanting to show that sure. They, they made a mistake. They, um, shouldn't have done it, but that's not what made them a great team and what made them win a hundred games three years in a row. Um, so I think that's that's really what they're going to try and go out there and prove this year. Well, I couldn't agree more, Josh. He is Josh from ApolloHue.com. We're going to put the link in the description in the episode of this podcast. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for uh, for jumping on the show. I just put the the Heather Orange H-Town versus everyone in my shopping cart, and we'll be making that purchase today. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Thank you. And now, on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. So that wraps us up, and we will be back next week to keep getting around Major League Baseball. Some of our fans that are looking at their teams through spring training, everybody's getting excited as we get closer and closer to first pitch. So have a great week. Try to watch some of your spring training games. It's always fun to see some of the prospects that are coming up. And we're a show, like I said, you know, mostly focused on minor league baseball. So take a look at some of the future of your team that's playing right now. Watch some games on TV. But if you get a chance, listen on the radio. Nothing better than baseball on the radio. So have a good weekend. We'll see you back here on Tuesday for another episode of Let's Get Two. 
We're going to have Jeff Lance, the director of communications for minor league baseball on to talk about the 2020 season for affiliated minor league ball. So until then, let's get to 